Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. We've all seen American Sign Language interpreters hard at work during this pandemic. The governor may be the one talking, but it's an interpreter translating their words for the deaf audience. That makes these translators truly an essential service. Now, today, of course, that work looks different than it did back before we all started sheltering in place. Now they're translating Zoom calls, not rock concerts. And it presents unique challenges. Just how do you say coronavirus in American Sign Language? So here to discuss the life of a sign language interpreter is Nicole DeVore. She is the Interpreter Services Manager with Paraquad's Deaf Way Interpreting Services. Nicole, welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's cut right to the chase. Um, Walk us through this. Don't just do the sign, but how would you say coronavirus in American Sign Language? Um, It's it's kind of hard to to describe um, without a visual, but uh, it it basically, if you take your left hand and make a fist, your right hand and open five hand, and it starts at the wrist area and then rotates. It almost looks like a, I don't it looks like what the coronavirus looks like. I was going to say, as you were describing this, I'm picturing that little horned virus. It, it makes yeah. sense. So how yeah. does that come about? Who decides that's how coronavirus is signed? Well, it's like with any language. It, it's always changing and growing. And um, deaf people, uh, sign language is very, you know, pictorial, very uh, gestural. And so it just kind of, you know, somebody, as with any language, somebody starts it along the way and it kind of spreads like wildfire and then at some point becomes the accepted sign for something. So there's no committee that has to sign off on this or something. It just kind of evolves the way English evolves. Exactly, like like just natural language. So how frequently do you see some big new word come on the scene that you're all of a sudden having to use with such great frequency like this? Um, so f- fairly often, um, you know, all of the all of the slang terms and all of the you know kind of neat buzzwords that are out there uh, end up with signs. There's a lot of uh, you know Facebook groups and connections that are made um, where um, these things kind of become available to us. And so you know, as an interpreter, you're always trying to keep up with the times, so you kind of make sure that you're getting access to these new this new terms as they come along. So if you learn a new term, then it seems like the second half of that would be making sure that it makes sense for the audience that you're introducing it to. I imagine you can't just start inserting it into conversation. What does that introduction look like um, the first time coronavirus may come up in a conversation you're translating? So when um, usually when an interpreter is, is introducing something like that, um, you would fingerspell the word first. So you would fingerspell coronavirus and then assign it that particular sign. So then from whatever, from the briefing, the conversation, from then on, that sign uh, has already been labeled coronavirus. And so it's just understood. That does make sense. These are these things that I think many of us never think about. And it's fascinating to think of how these languages evolve. I'm wondering now in your case, what got you interested in learning American Sign Language in the first place? I grew up uh, with a friend of mine that uh, was deaf, and our family just kind of naturally learned the language from them, um, and it just kind of went from there. It became a career for me that I've really enjoyed. Uh, when did you realize that it was a career? Did you have to get um, some specialized training? So uh, back when I became an interpreter, specialized training was not necessarily required. Um, that was 25 years ago, and things have gotten, uh, you know, 
far more uh, advanced mm-hmm. in becoming an interpreter. Um, I, I basically kind of fell into it, and um, I knew the language. I had a lot of people that were willing to mentor me and support me, uh, deaf and and interpreters, and um, they kind of you know guided me through. Now you would go to um, an interpreter training program, and then there is uh, Missouri State testing uh, that is required. Oh, and there's my, there's like a formal test now. Yes. Okay. And then are you licensed? You're certified? What's what's the proper word for that? So both. You get a sort of you pass a certification test and then you get licensed in the state of Missouri and in Illinois. So you're also a manager uh, with Paraquad Service in addition to doing this this translation yourself. How in demand are these services in the St. Louis metro? So interpreting in general is uh, in very high demand. Um, there are there is a shortage of interpreters that um, is not expected to resolve for ten to fifteen years, hmm. and so we are constantly looking for new interpreters. We're trying to encourage people to get into the field um, because it's just it's very very busy. And and busy in what ways? I mean, we all see interpreters now standing behind the governor and doing just these these marvelous interpretations of what they're saying in real time. But obviously, up until we hit the pandemic, that wasn't a huge source of work for you guys. Um, where were Paraquad's um, services being employed? So the short answer is just about everywhere that you can imagine. I know that there has been an interpreter. We do, a, you know, a vast majority of our work is medical and legal but also education from, you know, kindergarten all the way through, you know, a PhD, um, just about anywhere that you can imagine. It's, it's, it's pretty wild ride sometimes. Now, you mentioned legal or medical. These seem like things where they have such a lexicon that even for people who are hearing, uh, half the time people don't even know what these words are that are being thrown out. Do people have to develop a specialty in order to handle something like that? They do. And in this day and age, there's so much available, um, thankfully, that people can tap into. Um, It it starts with basically learning, you know, in English, what are these things? What does all of this mean? And then kind of, you know, exploring options for how to sign different concepts. So it is, it's it's an intense amount of work to kind of get, get prepared to be a medical or legal interpreter. And if you're doing medical or legal, does that pay better than, say, you're signing a rap concert? Um, so it it all it all depends. Um, the 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 people who are doing those things, the medical and legal, tend to have a higher certification, and so they kind of just naturally make more. Mm-hmm. Um, so the short answer is yes, it does it does pay a little better. So it makes sense to have a specialty it if does. that's what you're yeah. pursuing. Do you yourself have anything you specialize in? I do. I uh, work mainly in medical and legal interpreting. Okay. Personally. So you you pursued those specialties and words like plaintiff. You know how to sign plaintiff. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and so you're there in court. How is it affected um, by the fact that now no one's in person? Are people bringing you in on video for these legal hearings? Yes, um, things have gotten very creative, uh, and we do. We use different different platforms, uh, kind of like Zoom. Um, you know, everybody kind of has their preference, but um, to to interpret remotely, and so it would be like any other video call that you know the interpreter could see the deaf person and vice versa, and you just interpret as if you were in person. Are there challenges to to trying to do it that way? For sure, um, visibility is often a problem, um, and then you're you know you're used to seeing a language in three D. Now you're in two D, so that's a little bit you know odd at times. 
Um, and then, you know, like anybody else, internet connection is often mm. a problem. And so as long as everything's going smooth, it works great, but oftentimes it, it does not run. Yeah, I imagine as much as it's so hard um, when people's voices freeze, when you're there frozen and your whole job is you want to stay up with this conversation, you must be just ready mm-hmm. to tear your hair out. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, you mentioned this 2D versus 3D aspect. That, that's so intriguing to me. Are there certain signs where maybe they just don't come across quite as well on a video screen as if you were in person with someone? Absolutely. Um, so much of, you know, we use, in English, we use vocal inflection, and we use, you know, certain tones to express feeling and to express intensity. And in, in sign language, those are... Um, done with the face and the body and different gestures and different intensities assigned to signs to mean different things. And so sometimes that trans- that interpretation can be lost um, trying to view it on a small screen mm-hmm. um, that may or may not be cooperating. <laughs> so is there ever a chance if, if you're translating for somebody and, and something isn't coming through clearly to like slow down or do a rewind? There is. And people are very patient. And um, sometimes we'll do, um, you know, the interpreter will ask for clarification in certain sittings, especially, you know, if, it, if it's something, you know, truly serious, uh, medical or, or legal, um, they will ask um, to have things maybe explained better, you know, or um, broken down uh to something that is easier to interpret for each, each individual varies in their level of understanding. So, Now, I've got to ask one last question, and I, got, I have to apologize in advance if this is a dumb question, but when I was reading up on this, I learned that American Sign Language actually has regional dialects. And, you know, there's always this great question of whether St. Louis is Southern or Midwestern. Um, what part of the regional dialect do we fall into? So, well, that's a very good question. I never thought of that. Um, I would say that we fall into definitely a Midwest dialect. Hmm. Um, St. Louis is kind of a hot spot for deaf people because of um, different schooling options that are here. And so you'll see a lot of influence from other dialects that, that are kind of part of the St. Louis um, sign language usage, I guess you would say. But we're definitely, definitely Midwestern, I would think. Okay, so we're kind of a hub, but we have that Midwestern accent going on when we're doing our our American Sign Language. Yes. Wow, well, I learned something new today about St. Louis, so I have to thank you for that. That's (laughs) It's good to know this new thing. And uh, Nicole DeVore, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Nicole, again, is the Interpreter Services Manager with Paraquad's Deafway Interpreting Services, um, just doing valuable work translating things into American Sign Language for deaf people or um, people who need that service done. And, and how interesting to learn about all the various facets of that. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.